Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio, and you're listening to Dub Wolf. And I'm coming to you from Camp Good Dog in the Pacific Northwest. Where it's a beautiful day. It's not hot yet. It's just starting to feel like spring. Hummingbirds are returning. The pond isn't frozen anymore. But um, I know that some parts of the world are going to face the heat a lot sooner than I will. And we will too. So we're going to cover some of those good products for when it gets warm, when it gets hot. And we're going to talk about a few other things with Stacey Mantle from Pets Weekly Magazine. Welcome to the show, Stacey. Well, thank you for having me again. Welcome back. It's been a little while. Not too long, though. I would love to talk to you about, let's see, what to do. Well, you know what? I want to ask you about the litter. Okay, I see commercials all the time on TV about this litter that's lighter and easier, and it's way more expensive, though. Is it worth it? In my opinion, for somebody that has a lot of cats and a bad back, it's totally worth it. I really like every lightweight litter I've tried so far. It's not as dusty. It doesn't seem to, to you know, those really sharp odors that you get for cat boxes. I mean, not just from the cat, but from the litter. It's really, it's always intended to mask. And I hate that. This actually helps the lightweight seems to cover up the scent better without over perfume. Does that make sense? Yeah. I have one cat of seven who just reeks like she has the stinkiest poop. The rest of her is fine. And she's a nice cat and everything. But when she uses a litter box, it's like, oh, I got to change it. She's just gone. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, I would really appreciate if there was less stink, but I don't know why her, her, what she leaves behind is about double the size of a normal cat also. So I mm. think, I don't know what's going on with her, but she's perfectly healthy. I guess like people, they're all different. Some are smelly cats, some like are. that, like that cat song from friends, smelly cat, and some are not. So, okay. So the light litter, you think it's worth it. It is about triple the price though, isn't it? I did, never noticed that it was triple the price. I mean, I, it is a couple of dollars higher. I've used like the Purina, uh, Lightweight, Dr. Elsie's has a great one. Arm & Hammer has a great one. It seems like there's tons of them coming out. Those are all pretty much the same price. I mean, it's just it's, okay. it's about a third of what the normal litter weighs. I had actually used a couple of them oh, for the last three or four months and I ran out and had to go pick some up. And my husband got the normal kind that we usually get. I could not lift the tin anymore. It was just ridiculous. I mean, because we get those big 40-pound boxes, you know? Yeah, and- I know them well. And the tough no. part is, like, lifting them up above the lip of the cart and then up above yeah, the exactly. lip of your car. And then the stupid boxes have these stupid handles that are, like, <laughs> cardboard that aren't sufficient for the weight of the box. So normally one of those handles breaks through. Yes, and then the trail gets wet because I live in a place that's wet. So now I have a trail of slushy grossness. Yeah, no, it's not ideal the way. And if you want to spring for the plastic, nice container, then again, you have to pay more. It's always more and more and more. So there's not really an affordable litter choice for me because I have seven cats. I need a lot of litter. But I'm I'm kind of tempted to try it just to see how it's well it works. Yeah, I think you'd actually really like it. It seems to last longer than the regular litter. Oh, really? So that's a selling so point. So that may help offset the cost a little bit because I've got seven as well, as you know. 
and I go through a ton of litter. We have, you know, nine boxes around here and it's keeping the dogs away and making sure, but really the dogs don't bother it anymore or as much. They still will try to get in the rooms if there's, you know, if they've done something, but if we, you know, if we do our normal twice daily cleaning, it's not a big issue. You just made me, just made me realize, okay, so you also have self-cleaning litter boxes, but not the kind <laughs> they sell. Yeah. We don't want our dogs eating our cat poo. Even though they seem to think it's a delicacy, it can make worms go back and forth. It can cause all kinds of problems. And um, actually, it's just gross. Do you want to kiss your dog after he's been eating cat food? No, you don't. And when you see your dog with the little telltale signs of the litter on his nose, oh, no. So I have my cat litter boxes strategically turned away and behind baby gates and things like that. You can put them up on a shelf. If you are contemplating switching litters, like we're suggesting this great litter, try first to keep, well, you should have two boxes. Keep one box the same as you've always had it. And then the new box, the new litter, go half-half just to make sure they're okay. If if the litters can be combined. If not, go with the new one in one box and the old one in the old in the old box. Because if you find your cat won't use it, you don't want to yeah. find that out by stains on the carpet that then become a habit. No. That's for sure. <laughs> and the litters are all different. I mean, there's so many choices out there. There's like chemical litters. There's all natural shaving type litters. There's there's uh peels and skins and and your cat may like one over another. So you definitely don't want to throw your cat off their game. You heard Stacy say she has nine litter boxes for seven cats, which some of you may think she got the math wrong, but no, she got the math right. If you have nine litter boxes for seven cats, it's like having 20 stalls for 18 women. There's never somebody who needs to go to the bathroom and can't get in. And it, that's what you want. Yeah. And it'll stop spraying. It'll, it'll eliminate all kinds of behavior problems. If you have less litter boxes, you have to have total cat harmony. You have to have no bully. And you have mm -hmm. to have the, the boxes placed all over the place so nobody can block them all. And that's tricky, too, because usually people want all their litter boxes in some tucked away corner all together. And that means one cat can look innocent, but be blocking all the others from using the litter boxes. And then you get into a situation where you're mad at the wrong cat and you got a problem. So always have more litter boxes than cats. And if you change litter, keep one box the same. Okay, so we're going to go to break and we're going to come back. And I'm going to ask you about gene kits. This is the latest thing. And I've been approached by a couple companies. And I'm kind of toying with the idea of testing all my breeding dogs. And there's kits for dogs. There's kits for cats. How do you know which way to go? Well, we'll come back on Animal Party Pet Life Radio with Stacey Mantle. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy 
and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, we're back on Animal Party with Stacey Mantle from Pets Weekly Magazine. And I want to ask you about these gene kits. Are some better than others? Absolutely. There's so many, as you said, out there right now. And it can be hard to know which one to choose. Um, I'm going to tell you straight up, my two favorite are Wisdom Panel for the dogs and Base Paws for the cats. Those are my two go-to kits, and and I really love them. So let's talk about the dog one first. The reason I like the Wisdom Panel is because it also tests for the MDR1 gene, which is the multi-drug resistance gene. It's like a genetic mutation that's found in herding breeds. I'm sure you know about it, breeding and so forth. And uh, basically, it makes dogs more impacted by medication. So for instance, we had, my dog had it. I didn't realize that, but Chase had it and we had to totally change his medications up because he would be, he would either not react or he would react so hard on these things. And we had to go more of a natural route with him and he did incredibly well on it. But once we found that out, we could make some changes to the way we treat some of his disorders. You know, that's interesting you say that because years and years ago, I had a, a wolf herding dog cross and I took him on one trip to Toronto on a plane and the vet gave me meds for him to make him relaxed. And uh, <laughs> he was out cold for days. Like it was just, I was like, holy cow. And I gave him half of what I was supposed to. And he was just like, whoa, we got to Toronto and he was like, hello, I don't know, you know, sleepy, sleepy. So yeah, he, he did fine. Totally fine. But I uh, wish I'd known. Okay, so that's good. So there seems to be, you can test for diseases. You can test for, like, is your dog really what the breeder said it was? Is it purebred? Yeah. How many, six generations back, how, how, uh, how purebred is it? Like, say it's supposed to be a golden doodle. It's supposed to be F1. Well, is it really six generations poodle on one side and six generations golden on the other? What did you actually get? And then, so that's one question people often have, especially when they have a mutt. They look at it and they go, I don't know. Everybody says something different. You know, what is this dog? Okay, so you want to know, is that standard with all the gene tests, the ancestry, or is that something you sort of pick? No, it it is pretty standard across the board from all the ones that I've done and seen. Okay. The one thing that you want to focus on is how accurate are they? You'll see a lot of breeders be very, very put out because their dog didn't come back what they said it came back at, you know, or what they thought it would come back as. I always adopt. So, you know, I always have mutts. So I'm always interested in just what kind of dog are they and how did they become this way? And the reason I'm interested is because it's going to impact their behavior. Because as you know, every breed has certain traits that go back into their behavior and can impact it today. So like, Chase was a herding dog. He loved to herd. He didn't look like a herding dog, though. He came back as a chow chow mix with a Chinese Sharpay and what was the other one? A Kishan. Kizan. That's, yeah, Kizan is a herding dog. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So that's where the herding instinct came from. And the chow, of course, you know, that was his aggression. I 
think. I love chows, but they do tend to be a little snappy. And the Kisan is, uh, yeah, the guard dogs. They would guard boat, I believe. How do you say it again? Kisan? Kisan? I thought it was Kisound. Um, I've met them before and they seem to be, they seem to, the way they behave around here is they're herding dogs, the way they act. Oh, I don't know their history, but but the way they act with my goats is definitely they're they they even do they strike positions and everything like they they're quite but i don't know what their history is i'll have to look them up you know i'm i'm interested on a follow-up show i'm gonna do a little talk about the keys hound let me know <laughs> yeah no 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 I'll, I'll post it it'll be on animal party pet life radio probably my next show so yeah because i've got a big breed book and you know it's easy to research but oh, yeah. i've met a whole bunch of them they're medium-sized sort of look like almost look like a sled dog and that i don't know where yeah. what their yeah. lineage is but they're medium size they're small little things and they're gray and they're floofy beautiful they're little powerhouses <laughs> oh totally strong dogs and uh, very yeah. determined okay so okay so the genetic test so they do they test what it is and that's important not only for you know will my will my dog want to swim or what kind of traits how right. why won't he come what can i do to trick him into coming not not only for that but also for health things Right. Absolutely. So you want to know what he's prone the to. The wealth of information, really, seriously. I recommend everybody do it as soon as they can with their dogs and their cats because it will give you so much insight into your animal and how to best train them, how to best medicate them, how to work with them so that they're most receptive, you know, how to do things they enjoy. Because a lot of times we'll try to force them. He was avid dog. Like, he loved to catch balls. My other two dogs have never caught a ball in their life successfully. <laughs> So, you know, they're my little pit mixes. But, you know, it's just funny because I would try to throw the ball for them. And they couldn't get it and it'd be frustrating for me. Well, with their background, of course it is. It's frustrating for them too. So we find other activities, you know. It just gives you some really great insight. And it gives you like a 15-page report on things that you can do to help make their life easier. That will in turn make your life easier. So I really like that about, I like that about these guys. The okay. Mars. Which one? Sorry. That was the Wis Wisdom Panel DNA from Mars. They just have great databases they they test for more breeds what about the diseases so okay i've seen i've been going through some of this stuff and looking into it and uh one of my breeding dogs or one of my puppies that i sold a couple of years back got tested by the owners and they were so happy because according to them it's super rare that a dog is what you say he is <laughs> and this little puppy rosie is in fact six generations golden retriever on one side and six generations standard poodle on the other and they thought that was remarkable and uh, she tested well in all sorts of ways but i've known what i would call unethical breeders who have used the gene testing before where they will request only the diseases they know their dogs are not likely to have and then have a hard to understand piece of paper that looks really technical and good to show buyers that says, look, my dog is disease free. And yeah. so that's what, you know, when you're wanting to do this for the right reasons, how do you know what to ask for? Right. You got a golden retriever, or you got a pug or you got a shih tzu or whatever. You got an I don't know what he is. When you fill out these forms, is it easy? Because it seems like you have to pick each thing. Uh, like, how does it work for comprehensive testing for diseases that are likely to occur? in your dog well the difference with that with the way the more mainstream panels work is you don't have to choose because how would the normal person know what to choose it comes back with what diseases or illnesses are your breed that is associated with your dog is actually prone to so like for instance an easy one german shepherd might come back with dysplasia things that you need to look out for it doesn't directly test for that disease in that particular dog 
Now, there may be some way of doing that, but with the mainstream ones, it will tell you what the indications are and what your dog is most likely to develop, but it doesn't tell you if they have it or not. Okay, there are a couple of companies that do. They tell you if the dog will pass on the gene and it's specific for, really important for breeders. So uh, yeah. for me, that's that's really important. I want to know, for example, if any of my breeding dogs is going to pass on anything because most of these things are recessive. So as long as oh, I make yeah. the right match, it's no problem. If uh, the dog named Blackie has a recessive gene for some awful disease, yeah. and I make sure Blackie only mixes with dogs that don't have that exact same recessive gene, we're golden. Nobody's going to be sick. Nobody's going to be ill. Everybody's going to be healthy. So if you're out there considering breeding your dog, this is really something you should be looking into. You don't want to have sick puppies just because right. you made the wrong match. And both your dog and the other people's dog, they may look 100% healthy. They may, in fact, be 100% healthy, but they have this little problem where they're passing a gene on. And as long as only one of them has it, no big deal, no problem, nothing, no problem. Yeah. But if they both have it, now you've really got issues and unwanted puppies and unwanted costs and all kinds of heartache. So it's so worth it. Okay, so let's move on. I know I said we'd talk about uh, hot weather topics. So we're going to go to one more break and come back and talk about hot weather topics with Stacy Mantle. And she knows hot weather. She's in Arizona. So stay tuned. We'll be back on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hello. Back on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. And, well, let's see. There's a good news story I wanted to share with you. There was this rescue situation where they had to take a dog and a cat away from a home that was really not taking care of them. And after due process and all that, the dog and the cat got taken into care. The problem is they're both old. The dog is 100% blind or near blind. And the cat sees for the dog. Yeah. Aww. I know. So they're in the shelter for weeks. And we're all rooting for them. And they got a home. They got a home together. So the seeing eye cat and the blind dog got their forever family. So, yeah. Yeah. And I know a lot of times people who are pro dog anti cat say, well, I got one word, one phrase for you. One thing you'll never see is a seeing eye cat. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, this cat sees for this dog. It goes where the dog needs to go and meows. It also Aww. nudges it with its body. It will like walk over to the dog's food, walk over to things, walk over to doors, push it as it through things. I mean, it's a seeing eye cat. There's no question. And no one taught it to do this. It just does this because it likes the dog. So 
I've seen dogs do this for each other without being trained a couple of times. I had a blue healer who didn't even like my Rottweiler. And she did it for him after he had a stroke and went blind suddenly. He would be out in the backyard barking all confused. And she'd go out there and hurt him inside. Come on, old guy. Just move this way. She'd sort of nudge him with her head and push him in like a cow. He was grateful, <laughs> you know. Um, so animals can be amazing. And I'm so glad these people in Alberta rescued these, uh, this BC dog and cat. So oh, they had definitely. a little journey. But now they've got a nice family home. All right, um, so so let's talk about hot weather. I know you've got hot weather much a lot more than I do. What do people need to do to keep their animals cool and comfortable? First of all, keep them indoors. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be your first for extreme heat for like what we deal with down here in Arizona. Same with the humidity in the in the east. Do as much as you can to keep them indoors. It's just safer for you. It's safer for them. These heat things come along, and you know something can happen. It's just. There's a lot of horrible things that can happen in the heat. Well, the car. Never leave an animal in the car. That's number exactly. one. Exactly. And it goes so fast. Minutes, minutes. It's so fast. And then, uh, you know, if your animal, just like we've said before in cold weather, if your animal's used to cold weather and now there's a heat spell, a heat wave, even though it may not seem extreme, it may not be Arizona heat wave, if your dog's never seen heat like this or all of a sudden it hit, He's in yeah. trouble. He has his winter coat. So you're going to need shade and water and air conditioning and you got to help him out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and even if you're traveling, make sure you have a, a humidity monitor in your, in your RV or your car so that if, you're, if your car does shut off or something happens to your vehicle, which you're putting a lot of trust in, you know, your dog can die within minutes in there. In fact, we just had it happen last year to a police officer who left his dog in the car like he normally would. Something happened with the car, it failed, and the dog died. It's a horrible, horrible thing, but it happens every single day. So please be aware of it. Oh, that's terrible. It's a terrible thing. So say with that said, um, let's move on to what you, what you can do to help. Watch out for blackouts because, again, that's something that you need to know is happening. So all these video cameras that have temperature monitors on there now on the homes, when you log in, you can see what your home temperature is. Really important when your air goes out. So you can get home and make sure your pets are taken care of. Those cameras are invaluable. Uh, Self-cooling beds are really wonderful. They, they help, especially like I have cats that still love to go outside. They have a big enclosure and a lounge in the sun during the day. Some animals just love it. And if they're born and bred here, they may. Just like some winter dogs love winter, you know. They're designed for it. They feel that way. They, they can handle it. The main thing is they have lots of water and lots of uh, air flow. Those are two key things. So elevated dog beds, wonderful for the patio or anything when you're outside. Make sure they have shade. Swamp jackets are great if you're doing a coat. And a swamp jacket is what you do. You spray it down, you get it really soaking wet, wring it out, put it on your dog, and it just creates a cool breeze. Kind of like the cool shirts anymore. The more you sweat, oh, the cooler wow, you are. yeah. Like those, those little scarves good. people wear. They wet them in yeah. their neck. Yeah. So those are, those are the key things right there. Okay. And what about the sun, sunburn and sunscreen and all the issues? My two dogs now are really, they love the sun. They love being outside. They're pit bulls and they're just really thin coated and they just love to be outside. One of them is black and white and the other one's white and black. So the white and black one is the one I worry more about as far as laying in the sun because she's more prone to skin cancers and things like that. So we got her a shade shirt, they call it. And it's a super ultra lightweight shirt that she can wear. And lay in the sun, still be warm and feel the sun on her. 
but you don't have to worry about all the ultraviolet blocks, ultraviolet rays and things like that. So that's a really cool little thing that came out. I believe it's a gold, some gold thing. Let me see if I can find it. I'll see if I can find it and send you the info. So sometimes people use sunscreen on dogs and there are special sunscreens for dogs. But if you don't use the special stuff, you can end up with a real bad case of diarrhea when they lick it off. So really watch for that. And shade is always important. If you're going on an outing, if you're going to the beach, if you're going anywhere, your dog, if he was a wolf or a coyote, he would not choose to be out in the midday sun running around, most likely. And there are some dogs, like Stacy's saying, dogs who are acclimatized to it with short coats and used to it. Sure. But most dogs, they want to be with you. So they'll sit in the hot sun because you're there or because the picnic basket's right. there or the kids are there. But they really, really, really appreciate some shade. If you make shade, they'll dive into it because they Absolutely. need it. So and the black dogs overheat quicker than the white dogs. The white dogs with their pink skin and pink freckly pigment, just like people, the paler the people are more likely to get sun damage. But the black dogs, just like vehicles or clothing, when you're wearing a big black shirt, you get hot in the sun. They get hotter. So you definitely need water and shade for those black dogs. Okay, so I'd also like to talk about dog beds and whelping pens, because on a previous show just before Christmas, I told you about these dog beds I bought and I was all happy with them. And they're raised so the dogs won't get too cold or clammy. So if they're damp, they dry. And uh, they were supposed to be chew-proof and durable and all this good stuff. And I ordered a whole bunch of them for Camp Good Dog Kennel. And there's, I think, one that I've repaired that still exists. The rest are all debris. They did not withstand Camp Good Dog. Nowhere near. So I'm putting out a challenge. Those were the five-star reviews. Those were the Amazon picks. Those were the best I could find. If anybody out there makes a raised dog bed that they think large or extra large that they think can handle a commercial dog kennel, I invite you to get in touch with me because I would love to test it out and see that it actually stands up. In the meantime, I have made my own. I've had to make all my own dog beds and my own whelping pens, by the way. So if you're a maker of a whelping pen and you think you can stand up to Camp Good Dog, which is actually not a huge extreme use, my whelping pen use. It's just a normal uh, 50 to 60 pound mama with her normal litter. And yet they don't stand up. They do not stand up. The piggy rails fall off. The edges get bent or chewed. The finish wears off. They don't stand up. And then they stand up a little better than the dog beds. The dog beds are toast. They're chewed to pieces. The frames break. The, The fabric gets destroyed. So if you make whelping pens or you make dog beds, if you can send me the one that works, I will give you some radio PR. I will give you some YouTube video. I will be so happy to plug your product because I've been looking all these years and I'm still making my own. So Stacy, what do you think about that? I would love to see one too. <laughs> I, I think an indestructible pet bed is sort of an oxymoron. It's rates right up there with military intelligence, you know? <laughs> doesn't exist nobody ever nobody ever knows really what it does you know dogs are just super aggressive that's just the way it is same with dog toys you're you know indestructible dog toys don't exist you know but there are some better than others and and i will say that (laughs) it's just you know the yeah i would understand if i had made the mistake and put a particularly uh mouth chewing dog puppy into the pen and they'd gone at it like a toy i would understand But I'm just talking about claws, normal up and down, 
Like it's just, they're just not handling it. They're not handling the weight of a couple dogs jumping on them. They're just not. Are you looking for like a elevated bed then? The yeah. frames, the elevated frames? Yeah. Have you checked out canine ballistics? They have a great one. Well, I'll check it out. I will. Yeah. <laughs> because I have not tried it, I've heard great things about their beds. Oh, you so. haven't tried it. Oh, so you set me up to try yeah, it. Yeah, I know. But you know, Orvis has a good one too. And they have, I really like theirs. Which one? Orvis. So can you spell it? Yeah, O R B I S. Okay, Orvis. Huffchew. It's just it's a it's just a more indestructible bed. Okay. Not indestructible. It's more sturdy, <laughs> I guess. Or I don't know. It's your dog's less likely to destroy it. Okay, so I did mention coyotes briefly today because I was saying that if you're if a wolf or coyote were to choose an outing, you would not go out in the midday sun on the beach. So. I want to talk about coyotes a little more seriously, though, because right now in near the city, I live in Maple Ridge, but near me is Vancouver, British Columbia, one of the biggest cities in Canada. And it has a beautiful park, Stanley Park. Gorgeous. I mean, it's just beautiful. It's iconic. It's forest with a pond in the middle and all these jogging trails. And it goes it's right downtown. And there's this beautiful bridge, sort of similar to the San Francisco bridge, but like that style of bridge called the Lionsgate Bridge, big statues on either side. And the whole thing, it's got panoramic views of the ocean and the mountains and gorgeous place to hang out. Okay, so lots of people jog there. Even Mick Jagger jogs there when he visits our city. And there's a 10K run that people do. Unfortunately, some people have probably been feeding the coyotes. There's resident populations that live there and they control skunks and rats and other problem animals in the park. And normally they're not a problem, but this year, maybe because of Corona, maybe because more people are using the park and different people who are less aware of the problem, they're being fed. And so they're starting to get aggressive. And yeah. so if you're jogging, you got to stay out of that. You just can't use Stanley Park Trail right now. You can't go on the seawall right now. They're, the conservation officers are telling you, stay away. The last person attacked, there's been four attacks uh, in recent weeks. And the last person attacked was a pretty big guy. I saw him. He's not, he's young and he's big and he's like a runner. But he was with a bunch of other runners. <laughs> and it's like that joke, you know, when they say you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than the other guy. Well, he was the straggler. He was the last jogger in a group of joggers. Don't be the last jogger. Anyway, so he got attacked. The, the coyote actually bit the back of his leg and he turned and faced wow. it and it tried to attack him again. So this is really unusual behavior for coyotes and very dangerous for people, especially kids, especially the children who play in all the playgrounds all over the park, especially pets. So keep your pets on leash and close to you and don't go jogging in that park right now. They've trapped a couple of them. They're going to go for the rest. But in the meantime, be very, very careful. If a coyote does confront you, don't run. They will. They have a prey drive that makes them, it makes it impossible for them not to chase you. So, mm -hmm. and you will not be faster. And normally if you see one, there's probably five. So they're going to head you off. So do yeah. not run. Don't run. Don't feed them ever. Don't. Don't throw food at them and then run. That's double bad. Just be big and loud. Wave your arms. Try to be scary. Try to get help. That's it. That's all you got to do. And yeah. uh, keep your pets really close on leash, your children really tight to you. Okay. And avoid that area for the next few weeks. They'll be telling you on the news when it's safe to go again. But for now, stay out of there. 
you know, on that same subject, we, you know, we have thousands of coyotes down here and it's one of the biggest fears of pet owners and same deal. You know, you got to do the hazing, you got to kind of get them out of there, out of your area, but also carry something with, I always recommend a big stick. I always have a walking stick with me when I take the dogs out, but not everybody can do that. So I like pet corrector. It's basically canned air and it makes a really loud noise. You just got to make sure your own dog isn't startled by it as well. Yeah. So, cause if your dog's not on leash and you go do a bear banger or pet corrector, your yeah. dog's going to bolt. Now you got two problems. So yeah. have your dogs on leash when you're ever near coyotes. If you ever spot one or you spot the telltale signs, coyote poop around here looks like medium sized dog poop, usually covered in fur or hair. And that's because they eat animals with fur and hair. So it kind of comes out in their poop. So if you see tufts of hair, it, on farm fencing, barbed wire fencing. That's where the coyote snuck under the fence and his hair got caught. Okay, you're in coyote country. Put your dog on leash. Be careful, you guys. Coyotes are amazing. They're so much smarter than your dog. And they will see your dog as either food or a competitor. Nothing else. Um, may, maybe a mate, which is even worse. But they will, <laughs> not, they, will not see, they will not just live and let live. As soon as they know you've got a dog around, they want to either eat it or trick it into killing it or mate with it. So all of these are bad. If your dog's yeah. super tough, maybe a coyote cross will cross and you think it's going to be fine with them. Oh, my dog runs with them. Okay. No, Does he now you. have heartworm? Because they do. You don't want your dog anywhere near them. They will feign lameness. They will feign friendliness. They will send the one in heat out. They'll do anything to trick your dog into an ambush and your dog will fall for it. So, well, most dogs. My wolf cross never did, but my Rottweiler sure would have. So, you know, really think about this. Really, really, really be careful. We've also had a rash of mountain lion um, predation around here in an area called Poco, which is a really fancy suburb. Mm. La, 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 nice houses, you know, and uh, <laughs> they do have bear problems there, but they don't usually have cougar problems. And lately there's been footage of, you know, three or four cougars sauntering down midday down a subdivision caught on, you know, outdoor cameras. There's been one pug gone, just taken, gone. Mm. There's been, yeah, there's been another one a little little dog that survived, terribly mauled, looks a mess, but it will survive. And lots of different incidents with people having to try and rescue their pets and chase the cougars. Cougars can scale anything. So yeah. can coyotes. Coyotes can jump like you wouldn't believe. So because you think your eight, 10 foot fence, your condo fence is protecting your little puppy or cat, it's not. The animals that we're talking about can jump in, scoop up your pet and jump out again, and you won't even know they've been there. So if you've got cougars or coyotes in your neighborhood, please keep your pets with you. Go out with them for potty breaks. I can't stress that enough. Yeah, we had a situation where one of our terriers was attacked by a coyote. And luckily, it was my parents' terrier. And luckily, they walked outside right when the, the, when the coyote was leaping the wall or trying to with the dog. And uh, he survived it, thank God. But um, yeah, one second later, the dog would have been gone and we wouldn't have known what happened to him at all. I mean, it's just a horrible thing. Okay. Well, I didn't want to end on a sad note. <laughs> I want to end on a happy note. There's another story about the snow and uh, that I saw on, on the news recently that uh, someone realized that their cat didn't like snow because there was one paw. The door was open. And there was one paw print, only one paw print. 
<laughs> cat put his paw in the snow and went, no, thank you. Went back inside. So there was a video on TikTok the other day about a cat that just went out for the first time to see snow in Texas. Mm -hmm. Or in, maybe it wasn't in tech. I don't know where it was at. Anyway, it was really deep snow and he was on leash and he was on harness. So no big deal. But he walked off and thought it was amazing stuff and walked up on the balcony and jumped off into the snow and just disappeared. <laughs> Luckily, mm -hmm. they had the leash on him, but they got him out right away. But that was his experience with snow. It was so funny. Wow. I love snow and so do dogs. And some cats do too. I had a cat who used to go out and almost break dance in it. She would roll around That's in it so and funny. chase things. and. And a lot of kittens like it too. But do be careful if you've got weather extremes, whether it be hot or cold, make sure you feel the ground. Imagine what it would be like to walk barefoot. Look at your animals. Think about what you're wearing. Are you wearing a lot more than them or a lot less? Because that's not fair. If you're yeah. going for a run in the heat of the day and your dog isn't used to it, rethink that one. Okay. If you're going for a run and it's freezing cold, rethink that your animal isn't set up for this there's a right time of the day for this there's a right day to go for this and you can always just go for a leisurely walk around the block that's the thing instead of going for say you want to go for a run and you're not sure if your animal can handle it well go around the block you can always go twice three times four times but each no. time you come around you have an opportunity to stop and that's really important and for puppies when puppies first come to your house they need to know where you live they don't want to go on a long walk they want to go two doors away, turn around, come home, three doors away, turn around and come home, <laughs> work up to around the block. And eventually when your puppy's really sure where he lives, he'll want to go adventuring with you. Okay. So I guess that's it for our hot weather show. Great. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you, Stacy. Do you want to give out your website? Yes, absolutely. Come visit. It's petsweekly.com. Petsweekly.com where you'll get honest reviews of good products and bad products, expensive things and affordable things so you don't waste your money. And uh, Stacy tries the crazy stuff too. We've done shows before on like what outrageous things people get and maybe that's what we'll do next time you come on. Outrageous pet products. We'll be doing that next time, Stacy. <laughs> okay, well, thanks. Stay safe, Stacy, and from Stacy and Pets Weekly Magazine, Animal Party Pet Life Radio, me, Deb Wolf, be good to your animals. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.